5. For whosoever will save his life shall lose it, but whosoever shall lose his life for my sake and the gospel's, the same shall save it. Jesus have it anointed this precious way. But Jesus could have avoided the cross, but he did not. He specifically said in John chapter 10 and verse 18 that no man taketh my life from me, but I lay it down of myself. I have power to lay it down and have power to take it up again. As I was studying this verse yesterday, uh, the devil wants to take our power away, wants to put different objects in our life and problems in our life that we get so involved with those situations that we forget our power is taken away not because of our problems, but because we do not yield to the Lord Jesus Christ even more when we have problems. If you had this kind of power, you know, would you voluntarily die? Now, I don't think no man, but Christ was all man, but he was also all God, as each one of you in the building have heard many, many times. So the problem of life that we are surrounded by enemies, close to us, far away, but uh, we don't have no cross if we can lean on I am what I am by the grace of God, but I am what I am because he picked that cross up and he carried it, crucified for me. And I don't know. I, I believe there's other people, and of course I believe everybody does, but the only person that I know for sure is myself. That uh, So <clears throat> if he had avoided it, let's stop and think for a moment. He would not have realized the very purpose of his incarnation. And I thought about that statement that as I wrote it down. If he had avoided the cross, he would not have realized the very purpose of his incarnation. Because Christ came into this world for the sole purpose to die to die for the sins of those that the Father chose before he created this world. You know, the word, his very word, was made flesh. So, you know, we put emphasis upon, if you've got a red letter edition, these are the words that Christ said. But every word from Old Testament and New Testament what Christ said. 
But I understand what he, what they're saying, what the people, but uh, the Word was made flesh according to John chapter 1 and verse 14. The Word. So this is how God created the world. Let there be. Let there be. And sometimes I get excited just by going back and studying the creation, just reading it, to know how powerful, how powerful the Word of God is. And I find myself sometimes when I'm talking to people, trying to witness the people, that I say, well, I'll try to break it down. I'll try to break it down so they can understand it. But the Word is the power, not how I break it down. You know, so when we look at John chapter 1 and verse 14, and the Word was made flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld His glory, the glory of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. When Jesus spoke, He didn't break the Word down. He spoke the Word, because in that Word is power. Because blood is in the flesh and without the shedding of the blood, there can be no remission of sin. And that's what Hebrews chapter 9 and verse 22 tells us, that we have got to realize that how powerful that word is. People do not come into the world merely to live, for that is no better than being an animal. I woke up this this morning, I guess it's about four thirty, quarter five, I went out on the front porch and there were six deers in my yard. And one of them just turned around and looked at me straight. Didn't move his head until I moved. Why? Because he had four or five around him, and I guess he was the head one. But how that God put that deer in that particular place at a particular time, and he knew what I was going to preach. You know, no cross, no power, no blood, no salvation, no word, nothing is going to happen. So people do not come into the world merely to live, for that is no better than the deer. You know, if somebody hit the deer, then the deer is not going to heaven. And uh, d- despite what a lady over at Carlisle wants to argue with me every time we talk, she said, there's a deer heaven, and there's a frog heaven, and there's a rabbit heaven. Uh, you know, I just let her go on because, you know, I can't convince her that, you know, that that's not so. But even harder, I couldn't prove to her that it wasn't so. But she couldn't prove to me that it was. But we know that God created you and I after his son. Can you imagine Christianity without the cross? 
without the resurrection, it would be only one of many religions. The difference in Christianity is that we have a risen Savior. He's alive. He talks to us. He said, has he ever talked to you? Every time I read this Bible, every time I read this Bible, Christ is talking to me. So that's whether it's in Old Testament, New Testament, whatever it is, if I believe, and I do, that this is the inspired word of God, that every time I read that word, God speaks to me. And if I like talking to God, then I've got to read the word and see how he feels about a situation. So, I just can't imagine that without the cross and the uh, consequences of the resurrection, it'd be only one of many religions. But Christianity is something very, very special. And I believe that's what Paul was talking about in the book of Romans, chapter 1, and I believe verse 16, if my memory is correct. Yes, for I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. For it is the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believeth, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. There is no other book that's got the power that the Holy Bible has. So when we read Romans chapter 1, for the ref of God is revealed here in verse 18 from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who hold the truth in unrighteousness. And that's what many of these modern day religions are doing. They're picking out phrases, picking out words. But yet God said, for I'm not ashamed of the gospel. It is the power of God unto salvation. Now, just meditate on that. If you've got a friend, a husband, a wife, a daughter, a son, grandparents, whatever, you know, when you're talking to a lost person, you know, I don't have the persuasion, and I don't believe anybody else does. But if you get that lost person to follow in the Word, even look at the Bible and believe it's not being baptized, it's not joining the church, it's not doing this, it's not doing that, it's not doing this or not doing that. But yet all of those things take place. You know, it's like a marriage. tried to uh, speak to my granddaughter on, on that subject. I said, you know, marriage is more than the wedding. Marriage is more than the excitement, the feelings. When you fall in love with that person, that person becomes part of you. 
When I fell in love with Jesus Christ, the gospel became part of me. The word became part of me. Second, Jesus spoke about the necessity of the cross. You know, uh, people I don't feel understand, and maybe it's uh, us preachers' fault. We haven't done a good enough job, maybe, but... But in Matthew 16 and verse 21, God said, Matthew 16, 21, from that time forth began Jesus to show unto his disciples how that he must go unto Jerusalem and suffer many things of the elders and chief priests and scribes and be killed and to be raised again the third day. He was speaking of the gospel. He was speaking of how a man, woman, boy, or girl would be saved through what he did. When Brother Hunley preached to me up there in the Central Baptist Hospital for all that time, God used him, but he didn't preach his opinion. He preached the word to me. And I was like any other lost person. I don't care whether it's him or me, but one of us got to go because a lost person does not want to hear that he's dying and on his way to hell and the only thing that can save him is to believe the gospel. All the doctrines of grace, I love every one of them. I believe that God wants us to preach gospel, what you believe about the doctrines is what you are as a Christian. Because if you're a Christian, you know that you are justified the way that justification is explained in the Bible. You're set apart through what sanctification is, and your hope is the one day to be glorified. That's glorification. So all of those doctrines makes up when you said, I'm saved, I accept you as my Lord and Savior, it included all of those doctrines. But yet, you can talk to some pastors, we don't preach doctrine. Doctrine divides. That's a bare-faced lie. Doctrine doesn't divide. If you know Baptist doctrine, that's why you're a Baptist. And if you know Baptist doctrine, you realize that doctrine is taught in the Word of God. And when you open your Bible up to King James and you read it, that's God speaking to us. We understand it when the Holy Spirit has entered us. A complete package. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. We also see in Mark, we also see in Luke, but notice Mark 8, 31. Mark, the 8th chapter and the 31st verse, God said, notice, and he began to teach them that the Son of Man must suffer many things and be rejected of the elders and of the chief priests and scribes and be killed, and after three days, rise again. 
That's what he had to do so that I could be saved this morning. So, Matthew and Mark gives us the same account was in different words. Look at Luke 9.22. Luke 9.22. God says here in the ninth chapter, in the 22nd verse, saying, The Son of Man must suffer many things and be rejected of the elders and chief priests and scribes and be slain and to raise again the third day. when you look at these words and begin to train yourself, you notice, he said here, the Son of Man must suffer many things and be rejected of the elders and chief priests and scribes and be slain and be raised the third day. What's that verse important? Because Friday to Sunday morning is not three days. Because he wasn't crucified on Friday. But that's not taught. And yet Baptists who have been taught and, and believe it and will shake their heads or say amen or I agree with that, but yes, I hear them telling some, somebody, Good Friday? I worked at IBM for 30 years. Friday was always a good Friday because I didn't, I didn't do Saturday and Sunday. But it wasn't a good Friday. That was a good Wednesday about 6 o'clock. So we, we got many opportunities to preach the Word of God. He did not die because the situation was unavoidable. He didn't have to walk up that mountain carrying that cross. He could have called 10,000 angels, but he didn't. See, God's life, every second of God's life in his son was for a purpose. Have you ever wondered why somebody, a loved one that gets sick and they, you know that, humanly speaking, they're not going to live long, a day, a week, a month, five years, six years. But you know the end result is what they got is going to be the vehicle that takes them out of here. So why does God permit that? Because life is precious. And one of the saddest things there is is when a person kills herself. Or when a teenager, having not even begun to live, says, I have nothing to live for. They need Christ. They need Christ. He did not die because the situation was unavoidable. He could have avoided it. Nobody took his life. He gave it. 
Nobody should have to embarrass us or make us feel bad if we don't serve God. We ought to want to serve God. That should be our first nature. He died because this was how he would redeem us and bring us into fellowship with God. It was the must of duty. I must. I have a need to go through this town. I must. Thirdly, he made his announcement only after Peter's great confession about his being the Christ. Stop and think about Christ walked among them, talked among them, ate with them. They didn't know. But yet there's a church on almost every corner, you might say, there's over a hundred churches in this county. But yet, the biggest part of Harrison County is lost. They know not Christ. He was recognized as the divine anointed of God. As, as a mere man, he would not have died while he had the power to live. That's why we fight for life. That's why that cop that just got out of the hospital that was shot at that bank robbery, wanting to live. Why do we go through cancer treatment? Why did I have two heart surgeries? I want to live. There's something about life. Good days, bad days, but we want to live. And I like it so well, I want to live for eternity. And that means that we've got to get to know Christ. He's got to become important. He's got to be a part of my life, not just on Sunday morning. That's why the Lord's Supper is so precious. That's why that, you know, we try to announce it as far off as we can. You know, and it's simple here. This is the fifth Sunday. Every fifth Sunday. But yet if the ducks need to be watering, we'll stay home and water the ducks. Why? We don't understand how important when God tells us to do something, that we should do it. He made his announcements only after Peter's great confession. He was recognized as the divinely anointed of God. As a mere man, he would not have died while he had the power to live. That's why that everybody that I've ever been involved with, you know, how long do you think I'll live, Doc, if I take the treatments? How long do you think I'll live if I'll do this or do that? See, the key is life.
Well, once you know Christ as your personal Lord and Savior, you'll never die. You know, I know some of you understand that statement. You know, and humanly speaking, I understand it. I know what, what it is, but that, but my wife, the real Dora, didn't die. She just changed where she is abode. And everybody you lost, if they're saved, we tuck the body and we, you know, and it, it's amazing. You know, I told Tom Wire, I don't know how many of y'all know him personally. Me and Tom goes goes back ever since I've been been here, you know. I preached a lot of funerals out there. There wasn't church members that, you know. But I said, you know, we spend thousands and thousands and thousands of dollars to bear somebody, but we won't take an hour to tell them about Jesus. Think about that. God tells us in Second Peter. Second Peter. Chapter 1 and verse 4. Whereby are given unto us exceedingly great and precious promises. Are you there? That by these ye might be partakers of the divine nature, having escaped the corruption that is in the world through lust. See, if it wasn't from Christ, I could be very easily be a, a drug addict, a, a drunk, an extortioner, a rapist. You know, I, I could be anything that we classify as bad people. Because this body and your body is sinful. No matter how good a life you live, that body is not going to heaven. But as we say, you know, God explains it very clearly here in his word that what we need to do and what we have to do whereby are given unto us exceedingly great and precious promises. These promises are given to us by a man and God that cannot lie. Cannot lie. He has the power of life and the resurrection. So we need to realize that. We choose Duty before life 
the cross before pleasure, enjoyment of this world. If we are not characterized by this divine nature, we are none of his. As a way of life, a Christian will choose Christ over situations of day-to-day life. And while I was studying this, I, I thought I'd talk to myself a lot, you know. As long as I don't answer, I'm all right. But, you know, I said, you know, not too many people preach that. And then I had a box of tapes, and I used to tape Charles Stanley at work every day. I had a little old lad by myself, all the people feeling sorry for me. I was just praising God. Back there, me and a tape player. But I listened to Charles Stanley, and I said, hey, I'm not the only one who believes that. But it makes no difference whether Charles Stanley agreed with me. God said it. What a wonderful message that is. Those who believe they can bypass the cross are not truly Christ's. Jesus called Peter Satan because he rebuked Jesus for not escaping death, though he possessed the power to. What's wrong with you, man? You got the power. You don't have to die. But what was Jesus' answer? I must. I must go through. I must. And that's what's one of the things missing in our life. We must put Christ first. We must preach the gospel as it is. And we must that when somebody does something that is just totally stupid. And I'm still a little hot about that because it happened to me yesterday. A person deliberately put Christ on my computer. It took me five hours, but I found him. Didn't get in bed to about 3 o'clock this morning, but I found them. Why would you do that? Found out that he did that because I told him, you're going to hell if you don't accept Christ as your Lord and Savior. So would you do it again? Every time. Every time. See, but I'm not the only one. <laughs> we we see right here in scriptures that, you know, Jesus called Peter uh, Satan because he rebuked Jesus. Notice in Matthew 16. Matthew, the 16th chapter, verse 22. Then Peter took him and began to rebuke him, saying, be it far from the Lord, this shall not be unto me. But he turned and said unto Peter, Get thee behind me, Satan, thou art an offense unto me. For thy savour is not the things be of God, but those that be of man. When we want man's approval over God's approval, we got a problem. 
There were no shortcuts to, to success. The first one to suggest success and achievement without the cross was Satan himself. Satan, still working, church. Jesus objected. Jesus objected to the miracles that Satan wanted him to perform. God don't perform miracles for show. (coughs) He said in Matthew chapter 4 and verse 3, And when the tempter came to him, he said, If thou be the Son of God, command that these stones be made bread. Anybody ever told you, What do you think about that God now? Your mom died. See, every time something bad happens to a Christian, the devil raises his ugly head up and says, Where was your God? Shouldn't be a surprise. God said it's appointed that a man wants to die. We just don't know when our appointment is. No. But, you know, not everybody, probably some of you here that don't, it don't bother me, you know. I don't I don't believe in no early babies or late babies, you know. I believe babies are born right on time. And I believe they die right on time. But I'm smart enough and intelligent enough, believe it or not, you know, that the doctor says, well, you know, it's early. So I understand that. Then you're contradicting yourself. Oh, no. God says, appointed and the man wants to die. It's appointed. You're born again right on time. You're just born physically right on time. And you're going to be saved right on time, and you're going to leave this life right on time because... He is God. An aged young person has nothing to do with it. Young people die. You know, I've got two brothers, you know, Judy and Sue and I, all three got two brothers that we've never seen. But I am going to see them. And, uh, can't prove this, but I believe I'm going to recognize him too. We should watch out for those who have followed Satan's suggestion to perform miracles and have not taken up their crosses. This gospel of wealth and prosperity. Satan wanted Jesus to acquire instant fame, and he quoted scriptures to persuade him to do so. Satan suggested that God would perform a miracle if Jesus would only cast himself from the pinnacle of the temple. See, I mean, the world will always say, if you believe this God, then why are you afraid? You know, 
But our last statement is, the point is, he who hath the will to die on the cross had the power to rise from the dead. He who had the will to die on the cross had the power to be raised from the dead. He even told them when they, he would rise, didn't he? Three days, three nights. Now, if Christ was crucified on Friday and came out Sunday morning, then there's uh, something wrong with that, ain't it? Hmm? He said, well, Brother Vance, you, are, you, drove, you put too much in detail. I'm saved because I believe the detail. The gospel, the death, the burial, and the resurrection of Jesus Christ, not Mohammed. I'm not saved because a certain preacher preached. I'm saved because the Spirit of God bared witness with the Word and made me alive right on time. No other person on earth has ever said that Jesus said and accomplished it. What was that? In Mark 8:31, you know. The Son of Man must suffer many things and be rejected of the elders and of the chief priests and scribes and be killed and after three days rise again. He told them. Three days. But yet they were surprised when they went to that tomb and said, nobody's there. Who was surprised when the doctors give up on somebody and God pulls them out of the intensive care and out of the hospital and the next thing you know they're back to work. Only God can do that. Would the world be better had he chosen to live on, escape death and not uh, exercise that power? His power to rise from the dead makes him God. As in the case, so is everyone in dwell of. That's why Paul said in Philippians 1.21, to live as Christ, to die as gain. Think about it. To live is Christ, to die is gain. How can a person gain? How can a person gain? For to me to live is Christ, to die is gain. To get out of this flesh that is weak, causes pain, causes disappointment, to be in the presence of the Almighty God. Would the world be better had he chosen to live on, escape death, and not exercise his power to rise from the dead? <coughs> well, it couldn't happen because God already told us about it. No cross, no power. Father, we thank you for this day. And